Welcome to A Jolt of Joy on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm your host, Bible teacher and author, Carol McLeod. Our current series is titled, Meanwhile, Meeting God in the Wait. It's a rich, historical, and powerful view into the life of Joseph of the Old Testament. Joseph is my favorite Old Testament character, and I believe that he might become yours as well. Today's episode is number two in this series. Well, we now know that Joseph is the favorite son. Jacob, or Israel, as his dad is also known in Scripture, made it obvious to everybody, I love Joey the best. Last time we learned that he'd just been given this gorgeous multicolored coat that signified royalty and leadership at this time in history. Let's pick up with Genesis chapter 37, verse 4. And his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than all his brothers. And so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. You know, favoritism in the family unit never produces anything healthy. And in Jacob's family, it produced hate and jealousy. The father was wrong, but so were the brothers. As you go through life, don't blame your behavior on someone else's actions, but own it. Own your own sin and your own emotions. The meanwhile moments in life will always test your heart attitudes. And that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Meanwhile moments reveal who we really are. Well, the scripture we just read said that Joseph's brothers hated him and could not speak one kind word to him. So far, everything that Joseph has done in the narrative and what he has received has only served to alienate him from his brothers. And let me tell you, it gets worse before it gets better, which is often the reality of our meanwhile moments. Don't be surprised when life gets worse before it gets better. Joseph had a dream that he felt compelled to share with his brothers. Genesis 37, verses 5 through 8. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Please listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. Then his brother said to him, Are you actually going to reign over us, or are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. The brothers were more than annoyed. They hated him all the more. One translation said, this added to their hate for him. Now, Joseph made no attempt to interpret, analyze, or apply his dream. He simply related it to them in the form that he had dreamt it. Okay, let's divert just for a moment from Joseph's life and talk about your life. I want to challenge you to write down your dreams and visions. And you might say, Carol, I'm just a mom. I've got lots of kids. I'm overweight. I'm going through a painful divorce. I'm uneducated. Carol, I've made poor decisions. I'm unstable emotionally. Listen, I've got a word from God for you today. Quit giving God your excuses and give Him your heart. Give God your availability, your time, and your future. You might say, I don't have time to dream dreams. It's too late for me to dream. Oh, no, 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 no. Totally not true. I think about Corey Tenboom. She was in her 50s when she hid Jews from the Nazis. She was in her 60s, 70s, and 80s when she traveled the world for the Lord. 
I think about Caleb, Caleb in the Bible. He was 85 years old when he asked God to give him another mountain and another battle to fight. My friends, start dreaming some big dreams. It's God-inspired dreams that will give you hope during the meanwhile seasons in life. Even your biggest dreams are smaller than any plan that God has for you. Remember that you are Joseph in this story and that God has dreams for you to dream. So write them down. Genesis 37, verses 9 through 11. Now he had still another dream and related it to his brothers and said, Lo, I've had still another dream, and behold, the sun and the moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. And he related it to his father and to his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream you've had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves down before you to the ground? And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in mind. So what we've just read tells us that at some point later, Joseph had yet another dream. And this second dream caused even a greater rift among the sons of Jacob. The dress and the dreams of Joseph were insufferably exasperating to his brothers, and it became too much for them to bear. And after the telling of his second dream, even His daddy, who loved him so much, gently corrected him. Joseph's brothers were jealous and were hateful toward him. The biblical text is silent on the motivation of Joseph in sharing his dreams with his family. Some assume that it was youthful arrogance, while others assert it was naivete on Joseph's part. He was young. As I study the scope of Joseph's life and how he acted in other situations, you want to know what I believe? I believe that Joseph shared these dreams because he believed the dreams were from God, and therefore he held the responsibility of sharing them. Now, you and I both know that these dreams are prophetic, and because we are looking at the story from a historical perspective, we understand them. We don't get upset with Joseph, although his brothers are offended. We we know, because we're looking at the story historically, that Joseph is only speaking what God gave to him in a dream. We also know that these dreams will come to pass because we have historical perspective. His brothers were livid, his father offended, but we have perspective. We have historical perspective. Now, again, let's pause on the story of Joseph and talk about you. Did you know that you have historical perspective concerning your life as well? You might say, Carol, what are you talking about? I can't tell what's going to happen in my life tomorrow or next year or in 10 years. Oh, yes, you can, my friend. And I hope that the story of Joseph will convince you of this. When things happen that you don't understand, that you don't like, that you wouldn't choose, things that seem unfair, tap into historical perspective. And you might say, Carol, how do I do that? Well, I'm glad that you asked. We know because of Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Do you remember our word from last week, Makashaba? If you didn't listen to last week's teaching, please do. Makashaba. That's why we read the end of the story first, 
because we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is on our side, that he's imagining things that he can do with our lives, that our works are his creative masterpiece, that he looks down the hallways of time in our life, and he takes what the enemy meant for evil, and he makashabas it for good. No matter what you're going through, just keep saying to yourself, I have historical perspective. I know that I know that I know that all things are going to work together for my good because God promised it. My good, good father is makashabbing all the events of my life. I have historical perspective. Genesis 37, verses 12 through 14. Then his brothers went to pasture their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel, or Jacob, said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send you to them. And he said to his father, I will go. Then his father said to him, Go now and see about the welfare of your brothers and the welfare of the flock and bring word back to me. So Jacob sent Joseph from the valley of Hebron, and Joseph came to Shechem. One detail of this passage that's so dear to my heart is Joseph's response to his father's request. Joseph immediately replied, I will go. The literal translation of this phrase from the Hebrew, Hineni, is here I am. Joseph was telling his beloved father, Dad, I'm at your service. Whatever you ask of me, I will do. Wherever you send me, I will go. Some Bible scholars translate this phrase as, I'm ready. Let's read this portion of Scripture personally. How have you responded when your Heavenly Father has asked something difficult of you? When the Lord lays it on your heart to be a foster parent, your instant response should be, I'm ready. When the Lord requests that we give money to a missionary, a person, or a ministry, we must respond, I'll do it. Are you ready to go and love difficult people? When the Lord asks you to teach Sunday school or work in the church nursery, you must say, I will go. Well, Joseph traveled about 50 miles from his home, approximately a three-day journey. And when he arrived in Shechem, his brothers were nowhere to be found. Let's read Genesis 37, verses 15 through 17. And a man found Joseph, and behold, Joseph was wandering in the field. And the man asked Joseph, what are you looking for? And Joseph said, I'm looking for my brothers. Please tell me where they are pasturing the flock. And then the man said, they've moved from here, for I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. So Joseph looked where they were supposed to be, and there just happened to be a man passing by who just happened to hear a conversation and knew that these big boys had moved on to Dothan. You know, when I read this, I often think, God, why did Joseph have to find his brothers? Wouldn't his life have been so much easier if he had looked for them, couldn't find them, and went home to daddy? Some theological writings on verse 15 wonder if this man was an angel of the Lord who happened to hear a conversation and happened to come upon Joseph wandering. Whether this man is a human being or an angel sent by God, the unseen hand of the Lord is apparent here. He's directing Joseph to find his brothers so that the divine plan for saving many people might be realized. Genesis 50, 20. How much good God draws from this one chance encounter. 
Whether this man was truly an angel or just a man who happened to be in the right place at the opportune time, we will never know this side of heaven. What we do know, however, is that God is well able to send an angel to instigate his plans for humanity and for you personally. Let me read Hebrews 13, verse 2 to you. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without even knowing it. Okay, on to Genesis 37, 18. And when they saw Joseph, these are his brothers, saw Joseph from a distance, and before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. Maybe they were saying things like, here he comes, our brother the loser, the spoiled brat, the big talker. I believe it was his garment that allowed them to see him when he was still far away. You could see this kid a mile away because he was covered from his young neck to his fingertips to his feet in a coat that shouted of love and care and leadership and royalty. His brothers didn't like this coat and they didn't like Joseph. They didn't like it one little bit. And so these 10 angry men wasted no time inventing their anger against the younger Joseph, knowing he's away from the safety of home and the protection of daddy. And suddenly Joseph becomes fair game for their animosity. I wonder what they begin to speak as Joseph in his telling tunic drew closer. Here he comes, daddy's little spoiled brat. Here comes the big talker. I wonder what dream he's the main character in now. Maybe they said, he thinks he's such big stuff, but really he's a big fat loser and we're stuck with him. What did we do to get to deserve to be his brothers? Well, one thing led to another. We don't know what they said, but this is what we do know. One thing led to another until they had begun to plot his demise. What did his brothers hate about him? Well, Genesis 37, 19 tells us, they said to one another, here comes the dreamer. They didn't say they hated him because daddy loved him. They didn't say they hated him because of his gorgeous coat. They didn't say that they hated him because he told on them. They hated him because of his grandiose dreams, his plans, his future. Genesis 37, 20. Now then, come and let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And we will say, a wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. You know, this turn of events in scripture is actually almost unbelievable. The brothers turn against one and they conspire to kill him. Why didn't they stand up and greet him? Why didn't they walk toward him and offer him a meal, give him a place to sit, ask about their father? We are about to observe one of the most cruelest happenings other than the death of Jesus Christ in Scripture. We read of other murders, of army fighting against army, but nowhere else in Scripture are we confronted with a gang mentality, especially among brothers. It is because they allowed a bitter root to grow in their lives. They were bitter, and they took it out on Joseph. He told the truth when they had done something wrong. One of the most valiant and necessary battles we all must fight during our lives is to guard against the root of bitterness. If we allow disgruntlement to take over the garden of our hearts, bitterness will grow rampantly. It will cause trouble 
and many people will be negatively impacted by it. I'd like to read you Hebrews 12, 15 from the Passion Bible. It's a bit of a paraphrase, but it is quite accurate. Hebrews 12, 15 from the Passion Translation. Watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. And make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. Watch over your heart. Watch over your heart. Well, Genesis 37, 11 tells us that his brothers were jealous of him. Bitterness is not to be juggled like a play toy, nor is it to be embraced like a close friend. In the life of Joseph's brothers, bitterness grew from the seed of jealousy. This is what we learn about jealousy from James 3.16. Where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Jealousy resents what God has done in the life of someone else. A jealous person is angry with God for the blessings he's bestowed upon another. Donald Barnhouse, the writer and theologian, says this, How unfortunate that many are not willing to take the place which God has assigned them in this world. When a man is covetous and envious, he is saying, God, I'm not satisfied. You didn't give me what I want. Bitterness and envy will cause you to act in ways that are contrary to God's nature and opposite of God's will in your life. You will say things and do things that will cause havoc and destruction everywhere you go. The healthier alternative is to bless, to encourage, to get your eyes off what you don't have, and to cultivate a spirit of thanksgiving in your life. Celebrate others. Well, you may have guessed by now that Joseph is a type of Christ figure in the story of drama, intrigue, and human pain. Although Joseph was the beloved son of his father, he was hated by a wicked world, just like Jesus was. Jesus came from heaven to seek after us and to save us, just as Joseph was sent to seek after his own brothers. His brothers did not receive him, but chose a malicious plot instead. Similarly, God used the evil intended for Jesus to save all the generations to come, those who would accept his forgiveness and love. Many evangelical theologians believe the foreshadowing of Christ can be found in every book in the Bible. Charles Spurgeon said, from every text in the Bible, there is a road to Jesus. In Genesis, the character of Joseph assures us that God will have the last word. Remember that you serve a God who turns all your meanwhiles into miracles. If you enjoyed today's teaching on a jolt of joy, I'd like to encourage you to buy a copy of my most recent book, Meanwhile, Meeting God on the Wait. Also available are the eight videos to enhance your study. The book is available on my website, carolmccloudministries.com, on Amazon, on Iron Stream Media, and wherever books are sold. The video teaching series is only available on my website, Carol McLeod Ministries, and at ironstreammedia.com. My friend, I'd love to hear from you, so feel free to email me at carol at carolmccloudministries.com. We love to pray for everyone who connects with us. So be sure and send me your prayer requests today. 
I want to remind you that when you choose Jesus, you're choosing joy. His will for your life is an inexpressible and relentless joy. Don't ever doubt it. And as always, I dare you to choose joy.